This morning, we are continuing our journey through the book of Acts, kind of looking at it, some lessons that we might be able to learn from the early Christian church. Over the last few weeks, we've seen that, that everyone in the church listened for the Holy Spirit, that they paid attention where the Spirit was on the move, and they said, hey, I, I want to be in that place. I want to be involved in that place. Everyone had a role. Because of the the growth that was happening within the church, they were dependent on everyone in the church taking on a certain role. And everyone prayed boldly. No matter what they faced, everyone prayed boldly. Everyone listened. Everyone had a role. And everyone prayed. This morning we're going to see that that everyone gave of themselves honestly and generously. Everyone participated. It's similar to everyone having a role, but everyone participated in the life of the church. We'll be in Acts chapter 5. Our second reading will be in Acts chapter 5. And before we turn there, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Holy God, we, we thank you so much for the example of the early church. Lord, we ask that you would be guided, uh, that we would be guided by you in the same way that they were. That your spirit would be with us, that we'd seek after Jesus with the same conviction that they did, and that we would continue the work that they were a part of so long ago. And God, as we open your word right now, we ask that you'd give us ears to hear what you have for us. And Lord, I ask that you would hear my words and use them for your glory. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So the the passage that we're about to read, the the second passage, starting in Acts 5, verses 1 through 11, um, it's a dangerous passage. It's a dangerous passage. It's an uncomfortable passage. And, and, And what I mean by that is when it is taken out of context, it can cause all kinds of harm. It has caused all kinds of harm. You'll see what I mean in just a minute. And the pastor, the pastor John, the passage, and the pastor, the pastor John, and the passage, the pastor John read earlier. Earlier, there's a, a picture painted of this this kind of honest generosity, overwhelming hospitality, where everyone in the church community is is taking care of one another. Then, in what we are about to read, we see this this example of what happens when that doesn't happen. Of what happens, what the opposite of, of hospitality is. Right after we're told that, that Barnabas sells a piece of, of, of his property uh, and gives the proceeds to the church, we read this. But a man named Ananias, with the consent of his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposable? How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to us, but to God. Now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard of it. The young men came in and wrapped up his body, then carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you and your husband sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. 
Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she too fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in, they found her dead, so they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ouch! How many of you read that and say, oh, where's the good news? Ouch! Ouch! Ah! Anybody else cringe? Will they, they hear that, that passage? Uh, when I was uh, 11 or, or 12 years old, roller hockey was all the rage in my neighborhood. Any of you have kids that played roller hockey in their neighborhood? Um, so roller hockey was all the, all the rage in my neighborhood. We'd, we'd put on our rollerblades, knock on each other's doors. It was like a, a mix of the movie Sandlot and, and Mighty Ducks. We'd knock on each other's doors and say, hey, we're going to the cul-de-sac. Let's go to the cul-de-sac. And we, we'd grab our, our hockey gear and we would go and we would play for, year, for hours and hours. One day I had the bright idea, hey, there's, there's 10 or, or 12 of us here. Let's start a neighborhood hockey league. Let's start a neighborhood hockey league. We needed new goals. We wanted matching gear. It was, it was, it was a great, great idea. So we all chipped in. We, we brought the money that we had earned doing chores around our house and around our neighbors' houses. And, and we bought one goal. The other goal was, was cones. So any time you scored on the other goal, you had to go and chase the puck. And, and the, the, the other, uh, we bought one goal and we bought some pucks. And, and we, we, we started this, this kind of neighborhood league. We kept playing. And any time any of us came across some more chore money, we, we'd, we'd put it in a bag. And that bag sat in my top drawer of my dresser. Now, the roller hockey phase didn't last much more than a year in our neighborhood. I forgot about the bag of money in my dresser. And then one day, some friends wanted to do something. Go to the movies or, or run to the store to get whatever middle school kids go to the store to get. And we didn't have any money. I have a bag of money in the top drawer of my dresser. Let, let's, let's just use that. Years later... We were reminiscing about the neighborhood roller hockey league and, and one of my neighborhood friends said, hey, whatever happened to that bag of money? Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Must have gotten lost somewhere. I eventually, eventually came clean, but the guilt I felt for my, my pre-teen fraudulent roller hockey league stung for a while. At first glance, it's easy to read this story of Ananias and, and Sapphira and think it's all about money, but it's not. It's about how we live with one another in community. It's about dishonesty and the reality that we should be careful with how we approach one another in the church. Uh, the different metaphors and analogies in the New Testament that we, that we find for the early Christian community give us a, a pretty good idea of how we're supposed to relate with one another and, and how we're supposed to relate with God. So, so we, we read that it's the body of Christ, one body with, with many members. Paul writes this to Rome, to Corinth, to Ephesus, to Colossae, that we're all one body full of many members working with one another. We read that it's the bride of Christ. The Gospels of John and Mark, Jesus refers to himself as the bridegroom. 
Paul uses the relationship between Jesus and the church as an example for how a husband and wife should live together. And we find similar language in in Revelation. There's family. There's God's house. There's the all y'all or the temple of God. They all say something. All of these metaphors, all of these analogies all say something about who we are as a church who and kind of the, the bigger understanding of the church is with one another. The first time that that Luke actually refers to the early Christian community as church takes place in the end of what we just read. This is the first time that, that Luke uses the word church in the book of Acts. And the word that he uses that becomes commonplace for how we understand church would have been understood a bit differently in in Luke's day. It wouldn't have have had the same sort of connotations that that we think of when we hear the word church. Really, it, it was a secular word that was mostly reserved for a group of people who worked together to change society. Now think about that for a minute. The earliest word for ecclesia, for church, was it was understood as a, a group of people that worked together to change society. That was the earliest understanding of church. It's what church was all about. They wanted the world to know that the resurrection of Jesus changed everything and continued to shape everything. Then we get to this event with Ananias and Sapphira, and it, it shook the whole community. Absolutely terrifying. But for many in the early church, it would have reminded them of some of the stories from their ancestors. In the Hebrew Scriptures, holiness and danger, they they go hand in hand with one another. You simply didn't mess with something that was God's. You simply didn't mess with something that was reserved for God and for God's purpose in the world. So in Leviticus, we read about Aaron's sons who right after Aaron is ordained as a priest, they think, oh, we can do the same thing. And they, and they, go, they go into the tent that was reserved for God's presence, and it consumes them. And then in Joshua, after the fall of Jericho, about a man named Achan, who, who takes something that was devoted to the Lord, and the whole community pays the price because of it. In 2 Samuel, we see it again, where, where poor Uzzah, all, all that he does... All that he does is he, he reaches up to, to, to catch the ark of God as it's falling because the ox that was carrying it stumbled. And it was so holy that it, too, consumed him. Or King Uzziah getting over, overzealous with his, his power and entering the Holy of Holies, a place that was reserved for clergy and being given leprosy as a result of it. So Ananias and Sapphira, they they follow this long line of people who who cheapen what God has deemed as holy. In this case, through dishonesty, hypocrisy, and greed. And they meet their end. Now the warning for us here is, is pretty clear. We can't just play church. We need to take what Scripture says about living as a faith community very seriously. We're called to treat the church, and I'm not just talking about here at WPC, but the the broader Christian church with reverence. 
And we do that by committing to be honest and generous with one another. Uh, the, the last part of Acts, Acts 4, the, the piece that, that John read, tells us, tells us how that looks. We're told that there are four marks of the early church, four marks that, that kind of tied them together. First, they were of one heart. Now, in the Hebrew mindset, in Hebrew culture, the heart was the sense of, of reason and will, where decisions were made. Where would that be for us today? Probably our brain, right? Probably in our head. And in the same breath, Luke refers that they were of one soul. One heart and one soul. The Greek word for soul is psyche. It's where your feelings reside. Your thoughts. So the early Christians were tied together because their minds, their emotions, their wills were all subject to who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And because of that reality, they were able to live in a way where they could be completely honest with one another. And their honesty led to a shared life, to a shared blessing, where everyone in the community shared what they had with one another, and no one was left in need. Now, this is the second time in the first four chapters of Acts where where Luke mentions the sharing of material possessions within the church. But this is about so much more than just our, our, our stuff. It's also about the sharing of one conviction. Before Luke even writes about material possessions in Acts 4, he writes this. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. They gave testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. This conviction that the resurrection of Jesus changed and changes everything. It all started there. One conviction. And that led to a desire to be known by one another from their hearts to their soul, sharing that each other, with each other. I, I recently read that, that congregations that are becoming infectiously alive have some strategy for members of their churches to be together in smaller, more informal gatherings where scriptures are studied, needs and gratitudes are shared, and prayer for one another is offered. We, we try to do all of those things when we gather together on Sunday morning, study scripture together, share needs and, and, and what we're grateful for with one another and, and pray for one another. But the reality is we can't do what Acts is talking about here on a Sunday morning. There's too many of us. There's too many of us to actually sit down and be known by everyone in this room or to sit down and know every person's story of the folks who are in this room. But the reality is it's, it's, it's really hard to be known in a, in, in a group this big. Over and over again, the community acts reminds us that we have, a small, we have to have a small group somewhere who knows us intimately, who shares our convictions about Jesus. So I know I've asked this before, but who is that for you? Who is that for you? And if you need help connecting with a group, we've got different small groups here. We've got different classes here. But maybe you're in a place and you look at what we have and you say, you know, none of those really, really fit for me. And if that's you, that's okay, too. That's okay, too. I'd love to sit down and talk and, and, and to work to look for what that small community looks like for you. This journey 
the journey of Christian faith isn't one that can be done alone. You need to know others and, and need to be known by others as well. So with Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira, we're, we're given two different approaches to Christian community. Barnabas sells a field, gives the proceeds from the sale to the church. But again, it's so much more than just money. The apostles rename him from Joseph to Barnabas. Luke writes that, that his name means son of encouragement. And, and the word that, that Luke uses for encouragement uh, is, is the Greek word parakletos, which is the, uh, comes from the Aramaic word that Jesus used when he was talking about the Holy Spirit. When he sat down and told the disciples, I am leaving, but I will leave you with an advocate. Luke uses that same word to describe Barnabas, son of encouragement. Barnabas is labeled as the one who carries the spirit, the helper, the advocate, the person who's called to another person's side in a time of need. That's one approach. And then there's Ananias and Sapphira who follow suit. They do the same thing that Barnabas does. But then they lie about what they give to the church. And again, it's not about the money. They respond to the call of faith. They might even have a shared conviction around Jesus' resurrection, but they miss the part about being loyal and honest to God's people. They didn't treat the church, the body of Christ, the bride, his family, his household, his temple, pick your metaphor, with reverence and respect, and it cost them dearly. The church was and is called to be a community like no other. A signal to the world that, that Jesus invites his followers into a life that looks different than anything else. And by lying, Ananias and Sapphira reduce the church to something that it's not. The reality is, when we are real and authentic with others, it's easier for them to be honest with us. But the reverse is also true. We've seen it over and over. Inauthenticity and, and dishonesty, it, it causes damage to the body of Christ. On the flip side, there's the approach that Barnabas takes, where we share one heart, one soul, one blessing, and a shared conviction about who Jesus was and is that calls us to honesty and generosity for the sake of the whole community. My hope for us as a church is that we would take the example of Barnabas to heart. That we would look to be a church full of folks who encourage one another, who share with one another, who extend this, this extreme hospitality to one another. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be a people who understand that how we live with one another is an opportunity to express our faith in you in a tangible way. Lord, may we be honest, may we be generous, and Lord, we ask that you would be with us as we seek after you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.